Extra Life unites thousands of gamers around the world to play games in support of their local Children's Miracle Network hospital. Since 2008, Extra Life has raised more than $40 million for sick and injured kids. Visit geektherapy.com slash extra life to learn more and join us on November 3rd in raising funds to help kids. Welcome to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Network, where a psychology and gaming show. My name is Josue Cardona, and I'm joined by Lauren Keller. Hello! Happy happy Halloween month. Happy horror month. Spooktober. Spooktober. <laughs> All right, so for October, we're going to be talking about horror games. Do you like horror games, Lauren? I love them. I love okay. horror games. <laughs> and that is why we're talking about horror games, <laughs> because I t- have tended to stay away from horror games. But we'll see. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go into like our horror game history in uh, just a second. So for this first episode, we're, we're generally just going to talk about horror games and why... Why people like them, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the plan? Was that the original plan? Yeah. Was that what we were going to do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, why Why people like them and what about them, you know, ma- makes them scary, makes it horror. So I'm curious, what is your history with horror games? What is my history with... Uh, I have been playing... <laughs> I have been playing horror games basically my whole life. Uh, so some of the earliest games I remember playing include like Quake and Doom, which definitely have a lot of horror elements to them. <laughs> but um, I didn't really start getting into them at, as like a genre, a favorite genre, until I started playing through the Silent Hill games, which are probably my favorite game series of all time. Is Silent Hill 1 a PS1 or PS2 game? The first Silent Hill is a PS1 game that came out in 1999, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so I tend to stay away from horror games. But of course, as as I've been doing my research for for this episode, I went back and thought of horror games I played in the past, and I played a bunch of horror games, a lot of horror games, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, to be informed uh, for this conversation. And so... I had difficulty sometimes defining what a horror game was. Yeah, so it's it, it's a moving target. It's pretty <laughs> amorphous. There there are games that utilize horror elements, but it's hard to call them horror games. And then there are, are horror games that just they're not very scary to play. So it's like does that count anymore if it's supposed to be spooky scary but nobody got spookied or scared? Well, you mentioned Doom. Is Doom supposed to be spooky scary? I mean, yeah. It's it's about hell and demons and and fighting for your life and survival. But then also it's like you're just shooting a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't. I, it, it's it's tough to to define. There there's common trappings of horror. Of course, we see in other genres like ghost stories and stuff like that where the theme is horror trope you get your your monsters with your vampires and your werewolves and your serial murderers and all that stuff is like horror but then how you play the game sort of changes how horror game it feels you know what i mean explain um okay well let's see i've got i've got a list of games on here you you've played bioshock right I tried to play Bioshock. <laughs> was it too It was scary? so terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I, I couldn't get through the demo. Okay. Okay. Yep. So so Bioshock is very similar to uh, System Shock 2, which came out, I don't know, like a decade and a half before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would put System Shock 2 as more of a horror game than Bioshock. 
And most of that is just the way that you interact with the monsters in the area. In Bioshock, you're doing a lot of like murdering and stuff. In System Shock 2, uh, ammo is very limited and other resources are very limited. So there's a lot of time you spend basically deciding whether it's worth it to attack at all or if you should just try and like hide or run away from them. And so Bioshock doesn't pull on that same resource management fear that System Shock does. So I don't know. I would I would call Bioshock a horror game, but I would call it less of a horror game than System Shock 2. Cuz you're pretty powerful in Bioshock. I mean, you start out weaker, but as yeah. the as you play, you get, you know, you unlock better weapons and you become more powerful. And that's true in System Shock 2 as well, but there's not ever really a point where you feel like secure in that game where you're like, yeah, I can take on monsters. It's like, I could take on one monster, but if a second one shows up, I'm going to leave. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So which one, like which horror game do you think people confuse for a horror game, but you wouldn't consider a horror game? I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question. Hmm. I played a, a whole bunch of games over the past couple of weeks. And there's one in particular that I think no one would... Well, I don't, actually, I don't know if people do, but I don't think it's uh, in the category of horror game, but it's called Adrift. It feels like a lot of other horror games I've, I've played. You wake up on this space station that's been blown up, basically, and you still have your spacesuit on, and it's damaged, and you do not have enough oxygen, and your suit is leaking, basically, and then your thrusters don't work, so your suit automatically defaults to using your oxygen for both thrust and breathing. Oy. So so then you're floating in space all alone in this wreckage, and you have to basically, you know, like find a way out. But then along the way, you're picking up these oxygen canisters, which can only fill you up so much to kind of get you to the next canister and do all the things that you have to do. Like that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like as, as as your oxygen is depleting, like you you hear like it, it's really difficult for your character to breathe. And when you run out, like it is like, you know, she's gasping for air, and and it's not a, not a fun death. And it's in first person also, mm. which which adds to it. Which we, we should talk yeah. about first person uh, stuff. So I don't think anybody would consider that uh, a horror game necessarily. But it is it is solitary. Um, it's about survival. You have very limited resources. And those are kind of like the common themes that I found in all of the horror games that I've played. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big a big part of it is like when we're talking about horror games, it's like we, we are talking about a genre. It's not just first-person shooters. It's not just, you know, I have played scary text adventure games, <laughs> yeah. right? I've played, uh, there's a... There's a point and click like puzzle adventure game called Masochesia, and that is super duper scary because it is based on the true story of Albert Fish, um, who, if you don't know anything about Albert Fish, uh, killed and ate children. Super fun. Um, <laughs> but that game is like like very much a point and click. It's there's not like jump scares and stuff. Uh, you're not like you know, searching through some drawers and then a door creepily swings open behind you. It's like, no, you you like click around on a static image until you find a clue or whatever and somebody says something to you. But the, the horror elements are still there. Yeah, that I, that's a big part of why it's so hard to define because, you know, it's not limited to just RPG games or just 
platformer puzzle games. It's it's in all of all of the games. <laughs> <laughs> Horror can be everywhere. <laughs> okay, so I mentioned that in Adrift, like turn things like being very solitary, right? I think that's a theme that is in a lot of horror games. Agree? Can you think of any uh, example yes. that, that isn't like a solitary experience? It's just not scary if there's other people around, I think. The, the, yes, yes. There are, There, I mean, there's something very scary about, uh, about being alone, right? That's sort of, mm-hmm. horror is is so subjective. You know, what what you find to be personally scary is not necessarily what I find to be personally scary. Though there will be some overlap. There's some, you know, basic... <laughs> basic fears you can touch on for most people but yeah it, it is subjective it's like <laughs> putting a big giant scary spider scene in a game would absolutely destroy my sister but i'd be all like oh it's a spider that's cool let's keep going what's next and you'd pet it i'd be like can i pet it <laughs> that was me in limbo i'm like can i pet this spider no i'm dead i've been stabbed by the spider <laughs> nope not a friend oh um speaking of limbo like limbo's a scary game because it feels like you're you're like always within reach of danger. Well, not always, right? But when it happens, and then uh, it is very, it's very dark. But uh, that feeling of you are all alone and you're running away from something, like there's a sense of, of danger there. But then in Inside, which plays very very similarly, that game just made me feel very uneasy the entire time. And I still haven't finished it just because it was it was more disturbing than scary. And I feel like that's an, that's another component of horror games. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's your like bread and butter, like, jump scares, sh- shock and disgust, and and violence and gore kind of fear. That's that's your uh, your Saw movies of video yeah. game. Wait, there's well, like, a Saw, there's a Saw video game. It's Saw. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I would separate jump scares and just like gore. Like, yeah, I, I just think they're 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 separate. You're lumping them all in one category. I'm, I'm saying I'm yeah no I'm I'm saying that there are there are different flavors of of fear and horror that are being touched on. Right, violence is, is inherently scary because it makes us aware of how fragile our bodies are and how violence can be done to us. And then, you know, things jumping out in front of you is like a startle effect, especially if it's paired with loud noises, which jump scares usually are, um, Mm -hmm. is like just the basic instinct startle effect where your brain's like, whoa, that was not there a second ago. I'm uncomfortable. But then there's like the sort of like softer horror where it's it's uncanniness and and uneasiness, like you said, where where it's like. It's not full on threatening, but something just isn't quite right. And it's mm-hmm. it makes you like viscerally uncomfortable to feel that way. That's why we see lots of horror games that utilize like dolls and mannequins and uh, various like humanoid shaped things. But then they're not quite human, but then it's creepy, creepy, creepy because it's it's uncanny. You, you in that uncanny valley area of like it's just real enough that it makes you uncomfortable because it's not quite right. So I want to take some of these like individually and kind of look at different examples that last one, that um, things like not feeling right, something being kind of like that's very subtle build up creepiness, a trope that I've that I've noticed in both movies and games is like 
the person who wasn't there a second ago who's walking past the doorway. <laughs> that happened yes. in a couple games that I played. That is so unsettling. Oh, man. <laughs> Especially if it doesn't make a sound. Oh. Yeah. That's that's not good. Uh, what other examples of like of that can you think of? Okay, I would, uh, the, and this might be an example I return to a couple of times because it is a, a very good example, but um, <laughs> PT, the uh, Silent Hills playable trailer that then got canceled, so will never be a real game. It only exists as this like mini, mini game piece. You believe I downloaded it and I deleted it and then oh. now I can't. Oh. I'm sorry. I deleted it before. How does it feel to be a fool? It's there. It's there in my library, but I can't download it. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that that game is is a great example of horror. But um, the 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 loop is is you like you wake up in this room and then you walk down this hallway and it, it wraps around and you go through a door that should be in a to- like it should be in a different section of the house but it brings you back to the starting point and it's um i'm forgetting what that that optical illusion is called but the staircase that leads back to itself mm-hmm. you yeah. know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. there's a name for it i don't know it somebody will <laughs> 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 but um it's basically like that and it's very uncanny because it's very realistic um visually it looks like a real hallway there there are you know plants and and photos on the wall and uh, you know a phone off the hook and a light and you can see raindrops hitting the windows from outside and it feels very realistic but it it fails to meet like realistic connection in physical spaces where it's like this door should not connect to where I come out and and it feels very uncomfortable especially because then you can't get out it you're in this forced loop and so it just gets more and more uncomfortable each time you reappear in that spot where you really shouldn't be reappearing but you are yeah mm-hmm. that's that is solid uncanniness. <laughs> what about jump scares? Uh, I, I think, uh, and I, I haven't been able to forget the the dogs jumping through the window in Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that was a good one. That was a really good one. <laughs> that one is a good one. <laughs> yeah, even with warning, that one got me. <laughs> so <laughs> the first time I watched that, somebody's like, okay, there's going to be a, a jump scare in a second. I'm like, okay. Ah! <laughs> I, I mean, I had no idea. And it was it was in the remake too. I don't I don't know what it was like in the original version. Um, that was <laughs> less, a long, less polygons, but just as scary. Just as scary. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. Jump scares. I'm so I definitely uh, am not a huge fan of jump scares. I think that if you are going to use a jump scare, it should be used like in very, very specific instances and very infrequently. Like, a game that has one jump scare in it, I'm like, that's a good use of a jump scare. It's like, you only have one. (laughs) If you put in four, I'm mad and I don't like it and how dare you? Um, (laughs) But the asterisk to that is I really loved the first Dead Space game and that has lots of jump scares. Um, But I think what makes it a little bit more forgivable in that instance is the way that the game mechanics feed into it in the first game uh well i guess it's in all the games but you can't you don't pause you can open up your inventory and look in your your menus and stuff but the game is still going and so there's this feeling of never really being safe 
and it's got this really solid soundtrack where there will be ambient noises that sound like monsters moving. And so you you get amped up and you're like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And that suspense builds and that tension builds. And then it's like, well, and then nothing happened. It was just like, just a noise, just a noise in the background. And you keep walking, you move into a room and you're like, I've definitely been in this room before. I killed that monster on the ground there. And then it turns out you didn't kill that monster and it jumps up and it surprises you. And you're like, Uh, yeah, things busting out of vents. And then by the end of the game, you're basically terrified of every vent because it could be the one that it jumps out of, even though by that point it's like barely doing it anymore. But it, the game has trained you to be scared of all vents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. I usually play all video games, most most video games, with the sound off. That is because a lot of things are jump scares to me. <laughs> Like, if I walk around a corner and there's an enemy there, it's like a jump scare to me. I remember being uh, terrified playing all the way back. Like, I think the first, like, first-person shooter that I really, um, like, I just had to turn the volume off was on Metroid Prime. <laughs> because it was like, <laughs> also, it was like uh, you know, the, the pirates would just appear, you know? And I don't know, it was in first-person shooters that, that gets to me, even playing multiplayer. It's like you run around the corner and there's someone there. I'm like, ah, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not okay. Uh, but it helps if the sound is off. It's not as scary. Almost anything is a, can be a jump scare, uh, n- not just in horror games. So mm-hmm. those are very effective to me. They, they make me uh, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think that's a really important point that you've brought up it, is that sound design is so, so, so important to successful horror. Like... Like you can you can build tension and suspense in like <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of in um, Super Mario 64 uh, trying to go up the stairs into the the top of the castle before you have enough stars. It's just this endless staircase, yeah. And yeah. It, it it's like it's not threatening in any way. It's just a staircase. You can't you just keep walking up forever. But it's like if you add a scary soundtrack over the top of that, <laughs> it's like you're gonna have sweaty palms. You're gonna be like, no Mario, turn back. That's where the serial murder is. It's <laughs> stuff like that. Like is very sound design is incredibly important to to successful horror and pulling off that that tension building and and the jump scares and everything is like if you, you know, pair any sort of sudden appearance like even with cutesy stuff, you can, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, if you have a cute thing pop up on screen screen at the same time as you play like a loud bang noise, it's like people will shit their pants a little bit. Like oh, speaking of like, it, it could be anything cute. It could be anything. I played a few games where the jump scare is really misdirection. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was playing Resident Evil Seven. Um, it's one of the first moments where I start uh, where I started feeling safe, and like I found a way out. And as I'm walking, like something falls in front of me it's, and it's actually like this mannequin that was always there, but it falls over and falls right in front of you. And it's, it's scary, but it's, it was, it was complete misdirection. Like there was nobody there. Nothing happened. It was just there to, to get, to give you a little, you know, a little, a little jump scare. I don't consider that like a, a big jump scare because like nothing, there was actually no, uh, no threat to it. Right. Like not like in a movie, right. Like in a, in a game, like a jump scare followed by an encounter is, uh, is all the more terrifying. But something that like ends that quickly, just as misdirection, is interesting. And I think that the the sound plays such a big part of that. I played Alien Isolation and I played uh, Outlast. And those are games where like things are moving around you. You know, people are moving around you. Things are happening above, below you, the room next door. <laughs> and you can mm-hmm. hear it 
but you but you can't see it, or maybe you can see it, right? But like it, at first, you only you only hear it. That is, oh, that's so <laughs> so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it sort of feeds into that feeling of like if I can hear them moving then they can hear me moving. And then you're like, oh, God, you have to be perfectly still. Ah." It's very scary. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, like, the the music in these games, I mean, it's not not just, like, the music sets the tone, absolutely, like you said, like in in Mario. But definitely, yeah, but definitely that spatial thing. Like, I I was playing um, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. That one is, that's one of those horror games where, like, you're more you're kind of overwhelmed there's a lot of things coming at you but you hear them coming from different places you know and actually in resident evil 7 too there's a there's a part where oh there's so many so many scary things in that first in that first part uh, but but uh you see this person first of all you're tied in a chair and then um you see the the zombie walk around you hear it walking through the house around the kitchen where you are and then it's coming around and you know it's behind you <laughs> Mm. oh and then it's it's moving it's 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 like behind you moving stuff and uh yeah it's a that was pretty cool that's pretty (laughs) what happens afterwards is is horrible (laughs) yeah having having surround sound i feel has made games at least like 3d games a lot scarier that's it that's um metroid prime was the first game that i ever played with surround sound that's, that's it. That's, I remember that now. Yeah, because you could hear things moving around the vents and you could hear um, enemies around the corners. And I'd never experienced that before. That's what did it. Now that I remember. Yeah, surround sound. Yeah. Super scary. <laughs> On November 3rd, the Geek Therapy community is participating in the annual Extra Life Marathon, where we play games for 24 hours to raise funds for Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world. Since 2008, Extra Life has raised more than $40 million for sick and injured kids. If you want to help out, you have two options. Visit geektherapy.com slash extralife. And one, join our team and raise funds from friends and family and play on November 3rd. Or two, donate right now to any member of Rare Candy. On November 3rd, Geek Therapy will be streaming live for 24 hours as we continue to raise funds on game day. Visit geektherapy.com slash extralife to learn more, join our team, or donate. Thank you, and I hope to see you on November 3rd. So another thing that I that I found in most of the games is the fact that you have limited resources. Mm-hmm. That seems to be it's not in all games, like definitely not the case in Doom. It's definitely the case in Resident Evil, but definitely not in Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 you've got like rocket launchers and machine guns and all sorts of stuff. Um it's a, it's more that one's more like tonally horror. But I found a lot of games where your your resources are very limited and that alone is is scary. Yeah, I mean, in the in the late '90s was sort of the takeoff of the survival horror game, the you know Resident Evil and Silent Hill and games like that, um, which very much rely on resource scarcity as being a big part of the the fear. And that's sort of become less popular over time. I mean, we still see survival horror games, but they're not. I don't know that the they're not quite as scary as they used to be. I think. Um, they're maybe not as hard because I'm, th- I'm thinking about like when, when games were, were so limited in, in space and scale that they can work with is like you had limited save states, save spaces where you ha- you could only save in these certain points. And that led to this extra fear because it's like, you know, you pull off something or you survived a fight and you're like, I have to get to a save point before I die. 
Um, but now it's like we have auto saves in every doorway and everything like that. So it's like the the stress level is sort of reduced, and and then well, knowing there if if it's, it's designed that way, because yeah, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't have to be. It's it's yeah. Uh, I don't think people now are as accepting of um, limiting saves like that, which I you know personally I understand because there are times where I just want to save and quit because I have a life and things I need to do, and I can't just sit the extra you know 20 to an hour and 20 minutes until i find the next safe spot (laughs) um so like i get it but also it it does sort of reduce the um the the fear in the survival horror games where it's like yeah you're limited in how much ammo you have but if you are slow and careful then you can pick up more ammo than you possibly need um and then, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I like survival horror games, but um, I find myself more interested in uh, games that don't rely on on the survival resource management aspect as much. Gotcha. So, but what what about just the survival aspect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's lots of cool games. Like I said, Silent Hill is my my favorite series, and that is a survival horror game where you are you know collecting resources and finding health drinks and there's only so much ammo and uh, so you don't really like survival horror games but your favorite horror game is a survival horror game i i double checking i think yes and that that's a true <laughs> statement because because it, it is contextual to when when i played it and when the game came out um right i don't think that silent hill 2 would be my favorite game if it came out in 2018 okay okay I get that. Yeah. So another aspect that is uh, pretty prevalent in almost every <laughs> every every horror game that I, I played or I can think of is that it's really dark. It is not a bright, uh, shiny day. You're not outside. There are no uh, open spaces and green fields. Um, and I'm wondering, are there any exceptions to that that you can think of? Uh, the game Hello Neighbor is, mm-hmm. um, sort of bright and colorful, but, um, you, <laughs> you are breaking into your neighbor's house and trying to find, um, various keys and pathways around. And, um, it, it's cool because the, uh, the neighbor AI learns from what you do. And so it's like, if you break into the same window, a couple of times he'll set up traps in that window or he'll stand next to that window. So you have to sort of keep changing it up um, to outsmart the neighbor. But uh, it, it's uh, aesthetic. Who's the horror lot. like character here? Who's the bad guy? The Sounds neighbor. Like you're the bad guy. The neighbor. Oh, I mean, okay. yes, also, but the neighbor, <laughs> the neighbor is scary. Um, okay. Yeah. And you're like running away from him all the time. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of um, definitely, you know, darkness and uh not being able, like having your vision obscured it is very much a horror i mean and you see that in horror movies also and and books and and all sorts of things it's like nighttime is scary we mm-hmm. we are daytime mm-hmm. creatures and nighttime is scary <laughs> yeah i can't really i'm sure there are examples because pulling off <laughs> horror during the day would be amazing be somehow more terrifying i think absolutely yeah. but i can't i can't think of any examples I'm trying to remember it. Oh, it's called um, Everybody Goes to the Rapture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't finish that. Um, 
because I that's again where it's like you're all alone you don't know yeah. what happened that's that's true that's true and that's does... very much just like walking around but I, I don't know that it was it's so horror uh leaning but there were definitely like uncomfortable parts and mm-hmm. like discomfort of like you know what what the heck happened here um, yeah. But like I said, I didn't finish, so I don't know if it like successfully pulled that off, or if it was just the part I played to happen to be creepy enough that I was like, "This is this is daytime horror." Walking around an abandoned town where I'm just hearing bits of people talking about like coughing up blood and and then disappearing. I'm like, "Okay, that's creepy. <laughs> I'm creeped." But yeah, I gotta finish that one. Like I said, adrift is is super bright. And uh, the space station is is very colorful, but it still hits everything else. I think for horror. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is is the realizing that anything a game developer designs and makes and puts into a game is never going to be as scary as what you, the player, imagine. So utilizing darkness and you know fog and various other obscurity measures adds like gives more space for the player themselves to fill in fill in the fear uh, i'm thinking of like uh the game soma um which i really loved soma was really really cool but uh you in the intro of the game you sit down into this chair and they go to like uh, do a brain scan or whatever and then you just wake up and you're in this sort of nightmare w- world where everything is falling apart and there are robots talking to you and then you discover you are like under the ocean and just that that blank skip where you don't know what happened you don't know how you got to this place the the player's thought process in that moment of like oh this is what i think happened is like they're going to come up with something way scarier than if somebody had just been like this is what happened ooh <laughs> right yeah 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 well i mean hearing you talk about that makes me think of lots of games that have scared me but i don't think again don't don't qualify as horror and are just other types of games like what you were describing made reminded me of half-life 2 where, or Half-Life, um, where it's kind of like that, right? Like something happens and then all these creatures start appearing and it's like, it's weird. And it's like, um, like you, you kind of, you know what happened sort of, uh, if I'm remembering my, my Half-Life, uh, story, right. But I remember that feeling for like, oh, something just changed. And now, now I'm in danger and yeah. this, this is scary. Yeah. That sounds like almost every video game though, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or a lot of video games. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it from like like a very cognitive science angle uh, of wanting people to emotionally engage with a game, uh, f- fear is an emotion that humans are like <laughs> real good at having. <laughs> we got that amygdala like ready to go at a moment's notice. Just fear, 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 ready to go, and and just um as a game designer, recognizing when you want players to feel certain emotions uh, and using consistent tricks to pull that off is like, you know, if you do a, a sudden flash across the screen 
um, and it's dark and it's a sudden flash of light, like lightning or a flickering hallway lights. And then like a creaking noise is like, that's going to make people's heart rate speed up a little bit. That's going to make their hands get a little bit sweatier. And it's like, even if you're not going for the horror game, you know, you've got them like physiologically and emotionally more invested because you've done those two little small things with lighting and sound to get that emotion going. What about gore? What about gore? Yeah. So in in a game, a gunshot or like even a, in a movie, right? Like it doesn't, if it's just like if the person just falls over, like in the old Westerns, it seems silly to us now. Mm-hmm. Um, if, a, if a sword cuts somebody's arm, like I much prefer a spray of blood than the Star Wars, like clean, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's something different than that from that to like a head being bashed in, uh, guts spilling out, um, people being ripped in half. Like there's there's an appreciation for gore that I kind of get, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are in, in games in particular. Like you mentioned, Doom, Doom, like those uh, demons are exploding. Yeah, right? they're not just like falling over. I mean, I'm I'm playing through. Uh... Rise of the Tomb Raider, no mm. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was the. Yeah, I'm the playing or third two, one. I'm playing the third one. The two. Shadow. I'm playing Tomb Raider, and they're they're. <laughs> if you are not super great at avoiding death, uh, there are some pretty gruesome, gory deaths. The first uh, one was like that too. I can only yeah. imagine it's getting it gets even worse. worse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't. I haven't encountered anything quite as viscerally dis- disturbing to me as um, the like tree impaling in the first one. Mm. Uh, that one, oof, that one's real bad. But um, yeah, yeah, gore. I feel like I don't know. It, it it it's sort of case by case for me. Like I prefer. Um, sort of the suggestion of violence and gore where it's like you know you you see the shadow backlit on the wall of somebody getting stabbed not necessarily like high detail flesh parting blood oozing maybe that's intestines you can't quite tell like yeah i i don't know uh there's definitely places i feel gore fits in better if you're if you are telling a story that is very much about violence then you know, gore belongs there. It's a part of violence. Hmm. But then also sometimes I feel like it's literally just like we need the player to be scared and the like the shortcut to that is we're going to disgust them. And so we're going to like, you know, there's a pile of bloody rags. Ooh, gross, scary, gross. Yeah, I don't completely get the f- the disgust to fear connection because there's some horror movies that are just like not scary and almost I mean and some of them are purposefully like campy and in, yeah. in how gory they are right but like you know I like I like a vampire that takes a chunk out when he bites you more than <laughs> just like two two small holes I like I like me a zombie that's like you know missing his bottom half and is you know dragging along you know all the guts behind him and the jaws falling out. Oh, seeing someone's like eye fall out of their socket is like one of the most ugh, uncomfortable things <laughs> I could see. It's pretty yeah. gross and scary. Yeah. yeah. People like, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I know there's an appreciation for it and kind of like makes you squirm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I can't think of a, a time. I mean, the, the examples I gave you are like, okay, it makes me feel like the monster is more menacing, right? Like, again, a vampire that like bites a chunk out of you. And, yeah. But yeah, but I, I don't know. In the games that I played recently, there wasn't a lot of that. Like, I don't know. I think I think Resident Evil zombies are pretty well rotten. Those are pretty good. But the the gore itself, yeah, it's just, I guess it's just the thing. But that brings us to another question. What about the monsters that are just gory like looking right like like the the zombie i described but mm-hmm. something like out of bloodborne or um what else am i thinking of uh i'm sure silent hills ha- has some like yeah comfortable looking stuff right absolutely um, how, do you, how, how do you feel what are you what are your thoughts about just like the scary grotesque looking monsters so i am into it because i love monster design is is very very exciting to me um in in Silent Hill 2, there is a monster, um, I think it's called the Two-Back, and it is... So So it's, what I really like about Silent Hill's monster design is that they are designed with intention to further the, the narrative and the themes of what they are discussing in the, the overarching story. And so one of the characters you interact with throughout the game, um, you find out sort of via subtext basically and and offhanded references that her father abused her and then you encounter this monster which looks like two people on a mattress frame thrashing around but then like the whole thing is covered in like skin like gross gross scabby skin it, you need to send me a picture of this it's, it's very disturbing <laughs> uh, but it's extra disturbing because it has the context of you are witnessing this one woman's personal monster. Um, and so it's like, you know, I, I love I love big, interesting monster designs, but I, I like it better when when it feeds back into the the holistic game that they are uh, trying to get me to suspend my disbelief and become one with. <laughs> so so then how do you feel about story in horror games I, i'm a big fan I'm, I'm all about that story i'm yeah i i feel like there's there's sort of uh there's more narrative based horror and then there's more like procedurally driven horror um like uh, <laughs> uh the game don't starve is uh, technically a survival horror game mm-hmm. um, but it is much more on the um, like resource collection and stuff but it's it's procedurally generated so you don't like you don't know what your map is going to look like and you don't know what resources you're going to have access to at first and what you're going to have to go looking for um, and what you're going to have to like you know build certain equipment items so you can actually get to those resources and stuff like that um, but uh that that is less less scary because of the the way you play it and the way it looks um its art style is sort of um edward gory esque which i totally love but it doesn't sort of give the same like fear fear is like i get i get anxious in that game cuz i'm like oh no i'm running like i don't have enough food i'm freaking mm-hmm. out i'm 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 going to starve <laughs> oh no oh no but it's no, not don't this starve. Yeah, don't starve. It's not quite the same same level of fear as like um, you know, walking through 
spaces in certain spaces in like Bioshock or in Soma. So do you need a narrative though to make your horror experience a good one or a better one? Do you prefer I, that? Or I do you think, think it's not I necessary? think I do. I don't think it's necessary. I think that you can have um horror that's that's just um from the from the players, you know, playing experience. Um but I I think I prefer narrative because I think I just I I like narrative games I like there to be a story that I am participating in do you want a good story like (laughs) does it just have to be any story or or do you appreciate something that has a I don't I don't know I'm assuming that you really like uh, Silent Hill because in part because of the story yes definitely and I, I like it when and and this is true of horror films as well I like it when the narrative is okay with being a little ambiguous and leaving space for sort of me to to fill in the blanks and to decide um like which aspects are the scariest for me and then like I focus on that part you know um if it's if it's too structured of a story then it's like well why am I playing this instead of just you know reading or watching it it's like I need there to be a, a little bit of wiggle room in there if it's a game right Hmm. yeah like like i mean silent hill is is a straight narrative but depending on what you do in the game you get different endings and um (laughs) my favorite my favorite ending is like the one of the quote-unquote bad endings but i i it is my favorite because i feel that it it um best fulfills the the entire arc of the game is like I don't I don't want to get it too spoilery but yeah <laughs> gotcha. uh basically the the one ending I feel best fits uh what the characters had been doing up through the rest of the game better than the quote unquote happy endings right so I think that horror stuff tends to be ugly that's something that's subjective but is there do you have any examples of of a horror game that does things like horror that isn't ugly like that's pleasing to the eye do you know what I mean uh um, is that yeah. just not a thing that you would do? So yeah, that's that's like a multi-layered question because there's like general horror aesthetics of you know being grimy and gory and and, and dark, rust and, and blood and darkness and uh, various goops that you're not really sure what it is, but it's gross and it's goopy and it's <laughs> thick and dark colored. Like I don't know what that is. It's gross and scary. Um, but then. You know, it's also if you try and go more brightly colored, if you try, like, if you are stepping away from that sort of cultural horror aesthetic of of dark dinginess, as you step away, like you're you're making it harder for your audience to get in that horror space, and it turns into more of like um, like comedy horror, right? Hmm. More 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 Shaun of the Dead than Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead. Hmm. I don't know. I think this goes back to the whole daylight thing, right? Like yeah. if you, if the, all the unicorns are all of a sudden, right? It's like, so, so here's your movie, right? Here, or here's your game, right? That you, we find out unicorns are real. They're these beautiful, majestic creatures. Everybody loves them. There's rainbows forming behind them. But then we find out that they love to eat people. And now we're running away from unicorns. Right, like, I, I don't know. Like, does that work? That that sounds really scary to me. <laughs> I, but it's I not mean, something I, I, I can't think of an example. 
I think it could work, but I think that that one's definitely comedy. That was a bad example. <laughs> well, yeah, but but like I'm I'm following you down this path here. But it's like as as you get to the point where is the like the realization that unicorns are bad actually. Like if you're going to do that in a game or or movie any sort of visual medium, there's going to be some sort of change visual change as like denotation of like this is the shift where you have recognized that they are no longer evil now does that mean that they get like you know their their horns get all bloody and their eyes turn red and they have like shark teeth instead of horse teeth (laughs) or or do they get like do they get like cuter and sparklier and more rainbows like if you do it that direction is it gonna read as scary Mm. you know yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping listeners can give me some examples if, the, if, if, if it's a thing. I'm sure there are stories where this yeah. is true, and I can kind of, like, I can kind of think of some movies and examples, um, but, uh, but not in, not in yeah, games. Yeah, and I, I mean, just, just like keeping in mind that horror, like comedy, is um, very subjective and very contextual to like when and where it was made and so it's like that's why like the difference in japanese horror games and american horror games is pretty pretty apparent um and that that's true in other media as well because different cultures find different different things scary on a like a social level yeah um yeah, yeah. So definitely keeping keeping that in in mind. Uh, I mean, that's that's another aspect, right? I, I said before is like if my favorite horror game had come out this year, I probably wouldn't like it as much. Is like th- that's a big part of it. Is like at the time it was mind blowingly scary, but now I'm just like I've been playing horror games for like two decades. Like this is not scary. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josue, like you, like you said before, horror sort of being ugly. I think um, that's that's a, a good point to bring up. Um, that a lot of horror games utilize the idea of uh, disability or disfigurement as being inherently horrifying, and and that's gets pretty problematic. And I don't know that we necessarily want to dive too deep in it into it right now. But you know, that's where we get uh, you know a very a very normal horror setting is the abandoned insane asylum. Ooh. And, and the monsters are crazy people. Ooh. And that just sort of like adds to stigma in the real world. And, and, you know, the use of, uh, of a wheelchair as horror imagery is like, wow, like wheelchairs are not horrifying. Wheelchairs are awesome. Like, that it gets it gets problematic pretty quickly, but it does feed into what you were saying before about this sort of idea of like quote unquote ugliness, things that don't fit in with our idealized like sexy <laughs> sexy human body. The opposite of that is terrifying, I guess, instead of just being different. Sometimes different is scary, so <laughs> true. I think yeah. that in movies it's easier to get away with having like something beautiful being bad. Because there's some acting behind it. There's some a lot of nuance that can go into it. Mm-hmm. Like you can have, you know, the most beautiful person be horrible and and you can you can see it in their eyes. But that's like it's it's harder to convey, I think, in a video game. So it's probably just easier to make them ugly, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah, like you know? I was saying about the sort of cultural touchstones, it's like that that is definitely uh, especially 
American, a shortcut of <laughs> ugly means evil because that's convenient and not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so to wrap up, I'm I, I want to bring up a few uh, cool, in- interesting experiences that um, that I think are like uh, innovative in the in the horror space of games. Things that don't really happen in in other genres. So, for example, in Until Dawn, there's this mechanic where you have to like stay very still. Mm-hmm. So the, it feels the controller feels if you're moving. So you have to like hold your controller really really tight you know, to like yeah. and not move or put it on a table you know whatever but right but it's like you cannot move because you need to stay very still in alien isolation if you have the a microphone on uh, on a camera so like a connect or a a playstation camera uh it activate it asks you if you want to activate the microphone and then so you have to actually be quiet because if you make any noise even outside of the game it can alert the alien uh, that's kind of cool. And it also has another feature, which I didn't get to use very much, but it has a peek feature. So like when you're hiding, you can literally move your head to peek mm-hmm. around. Right. So <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah. 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 So it's like that game is like, I can't believe it's not in VR. I mean, it was pre VR, but uh, it would have been uh, perfect for that. And then obviously like virtual reality, uh, I played Resident Evil seven. Um, there's two demos out. So I did the two demos and that was really cool. Lots of things, like like I mentioned, um, the the person walking behind me, and then uh, what happened afterwards was I could hear them behind me. I could hear them breathing behind me, and I was afraid to turn around. It was like it's not just a joystick turning around, right? It's not first person. It's literally I had to turn my head <laughs> to see, and I refused to do it. And then what happens is. Um, the zombie basically climbs on top of your head. So first you see one hand come around the right side and one hand come around the left and then she climbs over your head. And then as you move your head, like to try to shake it out, she stays on your head. So it's like, oh, it's, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. (laughs) Oh, and, uh, you know, those are experiences that like, why would you do that in any other type of game unless you're really trying to create some tension or, um, you know, make it, make it scarier. I thought, I thought that was really interesting. And then, uh, Eternal Darkness, I remember they used to do these things where they would mess with you. Um, all of a sudden, uh, these are called insanity effects, right? But it's like, oh, like the game, um, uh, reset itself or your save file got corrupted or the volume would start lowering all of a yep. sudden and yep. all these things you were like whoa, 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 wait what what just happened um and i i thought that was that was really cool so those were some of the uh some of the experiences that i've had that are kind of unique to the genre yeah yeah i mean when um silent hill shattered memories is the the wii Silent Hill game and mm. while it is uh not high on my list of Silent Hill games that I like, I do still like it and it it used the um the Wiimote as your flashlight. So you mm. were actually moving the flashlight around, which was really cool. And then it was also your cell phone and so like it had the um my uh uh it had the shit, it had the little stereo in it and so it's like you would hold hold it up to your ear like a cell phone, uh which was pretty cool. And then yeah. I don't remember what the subtitle is, but there was a Fatal Frame game that came out on Switch that I played the demo and it was so terrible to play that it really bummed me out and I never actually played it. But the idea of using the the um, uh, the Wii U pad as a big camera 
that you're moving around and taking pictures of ghosts with and like actually if you turn around like there's a ghost behind you ah like that <laughs> stuff was so cool like i i wish more of that stuff would pick up i'm i'm ready for um you know as mobile games get better and better i'm ready for better horror game experiences via mobile yeah yeah one game uh, I played, uh, I mentioned it before, but it's uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. And this is a VR game. And uh, you, you control two independent um, guns. So you're dual wielding. Mm-hmm. And so you have these like, monsters and scary clown people coming at you from both sides, up, down, left, right, right, from all over. And the game, it, it, it relies a lot on jump scares. I, I don't think there's any like narrative there. There's no real story. And ultimately, I just felt kind of badass, double wielding guns and shooting, you know, monsters left and right. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanna, I wanna finish with asking you: Do you think that that's part of? Uh, does that like ruin it, or does that make it better um, when you are able to kind of, or is that, or is that maybe the point that you get to a point where you there's that release where you're, you don't feel as unsafe, and you feel more powerful or powerful enough to overcome the thing, even if it's just like escape, right? Do you, how do you, yeah, how do you I feel definitely, about that? I definitely feel, especially uh, in, in the last few years, I, uh, a lot of the horror is definitely aimed towards empowerment. You are empowering yeah. the player um, to basically facing your fears, like choosing to play the game is facing being scared and then triumphing over that is like i am empowered i can face my fears i'm strong and and um i definitely feel like there there's a big theme of um self-efficacy in in coping with fear and how that that is a big part of why i like horror is i like feeling scared and then you feel that release afterwards it's like the tension building and then the release part and so it's like you can't really get that really good release part unless you've built up all of that tension first Hmm. Hmm. so yes i there there are examples of horror games that are very much not about empowerment that are about making you feel like there's nothing you can do and it's hopeless and uh, futile, and, and that's certainly a, a valuable horror direction to go. But definitely, I feel like the empowerment side is why um, a lot of people enjoy enjoy those games. Is because um, as scary as scary as the you know zombie family in <laughs> Resident Evil Seven was, is like when you finally get out of that house, you're like, ha ha ha, suck it, you can't keep me here anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I played Overlast, and there you you have no attack. You can only run and hide. Yeah, basically. You know, I didn't I didn't see it through to the point where I could feel like I could turn the tables or anything like that because I don't think that that game that's the type of game that allows it. Yeah. Um, but the idea of being able to turn the tables eventually, like I was playing Alien Isolation, and it is kind of terrifying. And I know that like you know you, you're not going to survive uh, a fight with this thing. So you could probably injure it and run away, but that's it. But I would love it if at the end I can do like, you know, at the end of Alien 2 and have, you know, or aliens, you know, and have like a, a big mech suit and just, <laughs> you know, fuck up an alien. That would, that would be great. But I don't know. Like, like, I don't know what people are looking for when they go to horror games. But I think we've established that the horror genre is uh, very broad and there's all sorts of different types of games. And to be honest, some of the games that I'm most scared of because of they're the ones I played are not horror games. <laughs> they still scare me <laughs> because my fears are uh, 
are are my own and uh, i guess that's what you bring into these games yeah man this was a fun conversation yeah all right so what we're gonna do next time is we're gonna talk about our favorite games and i don't know it'll probably be all silent hill <laughs> yes but, uh, <laughs> stay tuned for more silent hill talk <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you for listening to headshots uh you can find more headshots at uh, headshotspodcast.com you can find us at headshotscast on twitter i am at Josue cardona on twitter lauren is at chicken dinosaur Headshots is part of the Geek Therapy Network. Geek Therapy streams every week a few times at twitch.tv slash geektherapy. And we also have a Discord, which you uh, everybody is welcome to join. It is awesome. That is at geektherapy.com slash Discord. All right, thank you again for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. Discuss this and all the episodes on the network by visiting the Geek Therapy Forum at forum.geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider becoming a member of Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy.